At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Happy Monday. I hope everyone had an incredible weekend because between the Live Golf and PGA Tour deal and Lionel Messi's commitment to MLS, last week was just a crazy week in the world of sports business. But one announcement seemed to fly just a little bit under the radar. So today, I want to talk about Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy's new golf league called TGL. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. For the first half of the episode, I'm going to break down the business behind TGL. I'll talk through the revenue streams, their financial projections, potential TV partners, and more. And then the second half of the episode is going to be an exclusive interview that I've recorded with Alexis Ohanian. So for those of you who don't know who Alexis is, he's the co-founder of Reddit, and he runs a very big venture capital firm today. He is launching the first team in TGL called the Los Angeles Golf Club with his wife, Serena Williams, I'm sure you've heard of her, and Venus Williams, I'm sure you've heard of her too. So Alexis and I sit down and we talk through the whole deal, why he was interested in the TGL, how the economics of this deal work, and more. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. All right, I think the most logical place to start with this episode is just explaining what the hell TGL is. Now, maybe some of you have seen TGL, maybe you've seen Tomorrow Sports, maybe you've seen Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, Mike McCarley's name thrown around, but I'm going to break it all down in very, very simple terms for you. So there's this company, Tomorrow Sports. It's been started by three people. Tiger Woods is obviously one of them. Roy McIlroy is another. You guys know who they are, two of the best golfers in the world and certainly in the history of golf. And the third person is a former NBC sports executive named Mike McCarley. So they started this company called Tomorrow Sports. And underneath that business, they're launching a league called TGL. Now, the easiest way to think about TGL is it's golf, but it's different than anything we've really ever seen when you think about professional golf. So they're calling it a tech-based golf league. There's going to be like an indoor component to it. Obviously, it's in an arena and there's a team component to it as well. Again, It's unlike anything we've ever seen, but it's really a hybrid between live golf action and virtual golf with teams competing against each other in an indoor arena. So let me explain just in really simple kind of bullet point terms. There's going to be six teams in the league. Each of those six teams is going to have three PGA Tour players on the team. These golfers are going to start by teeing it up long distance shots. So they're going to hit driver, right? into what essentially is a simulator bay, right? So anyone who's ever hit into a simulator knows what a golf simulator looks like. It's in the arena, but instead of being like your traditional bay, it's going to be the size of an IMAX screen. So it's going to be this thing that's just huge against the wall. They're going to hit driver long distance shots into it. Then once that shot's hit, they're going to turn around and they're essentially going to play the rest of the hole on this this short game area, right? So you're going to be able to see chipping, bunker shots, putting, all right in the same area. It's within kind of like 20 feet of each other. So the whole idea is that when you go to a golf tournament today, not only are you not necessarily interacting with the players, you're not hearing them, they're not talking trash to each other, all that kind of stuff. These players are going to be mic'd up, but you're also going to be able to see every shot, right? So if you go to a golf tournament, maybe you're following Tiger for the day and you just follow him every single hole, but you miss a bunch of other people. Or maybe you sit at a hole and you see a bunch of different people come through, but you don't see what they do on the other holes. 
This is all going to be in an arena, 1,500 to 2,000 person arena, and you're going to see everything that they do. The tech part of it comes in where obviously there's a simulator and stuff like that, but along the thing, the uh, the visuals that they've mocked up for the arena so far, it has the heart rate display of the players on there, right? You're going to be able to hear it. You're going to be able to change the conditions in the arena, they call it. So there's like a little bit of a tech component to it. But the other interesting part is kind of the structure, right? You're going to play 18 holes. Obviously, they're not traditional holes. So the point is that everything is going to be done within two hours. There's going to be a two-hour time limit on the gameplay. The players, again, will be mic'd up the entire time. And the fans will be able to track everything live from heart rate to scoring to everything else like that. Look, the inaugural season isn't scheduled to tee off until January 2024. So we got, you know, at least six months or so until the first season tees off. But the league has quietly been making a lot of progress over the last six plus months. For example, TGL recently broke ground on its new 135,000 square foot arena. This is going to be built on 10 acres of unused land at Palm Beach State College, and it's going to seat between 1,500 to 2,000 fans. You guys might have seen the mock-ups online. I highly suggest you go look at the renderings I included in the newsletter today. It looks absolutely amazing. It's essentially like an arena, but there's a short game area and a huge simulator bay in the arena, right? So the fans are on top of the shots. You're going to be able to see all the players. It's going to be access like you've never had before. And it's just a different type of golf, right? If you're a traditionalist and you don't like this type of stuff, maybe it's not for you. But again, this is the way the world is headed, and it seems like a, a relatively decent idea. But we're going to get into some of the execution and where the financials come into play. So not only have they built the arena or they're building it right now, it's currently in progress in Palm Beach, but they've received commitment from 12 of the world's best golfers. So I'm going to read you off a list of the golfers that have committed to play in TGL so far. We have Tiger Woods. The, the needle, right? He is not, he doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. Biggest name you could possibly have. He's going to be playing in TGL. Then we have Rory McElroy, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott, Colin Morikawa, Matt Fitzpatrick, Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, Justin Rose, Xander Shoffley, and Max Homa so far. There's still six players that are yet to be announced, but those are the players so far. Again, some of the best players in the world. And they've also raised money from a list that literally looks like it could be a guest list at the ESPYs. I'm going to read you again some names of people that have invested in TGL and Tomorrow Sports. Josh Allen, Bills quarterback. Stephen Curry, Shohei Otani, Gareth Bale, Arthur Blank, David Blitzer, John Henry, Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Durant, Lewis Hamilton, Tony Romo, Justin Timberlake, Sidney Crosby, Justin Bieber, DJ Khaled, Macklemore, Jake Owen, Darius Rucker, Alex Morgan, and the list goes on and on and on. Literally, some of the most famous people in the world that you can possibly think of have invested in Tomorrow Sports or the TGL directly. Again, they've raised a bunch of money, so it's not shocking to see that they've taken the celebrity route. They don't necessarily need money from, from traditional venture capital firms. But I don't think that's the most impressive part, right? Anyone can go out and they can raise money, they can start to build an arena, they can have an idea. But I think what's happened so far is that in the face of everything going on in the golf world, the one thing that TGL has done really well is they've intelligently aligned incentives to build golf's first ever social first sports league. And I'll explain, right? So first off, let's talk about the cap table, TGL specifically, not Tomorrow Sports, but TGL. So Tomorrow Sports, the company that's owned by Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy, is going to own 54% of the league. So again, Tomorrow Sports owns 54% of TGL league. The PGA Tour then is going to own 18%. The franchise owner, so the people that own the teams, are going to own 18%. And the players that compete in the league every single week are going to own 10%. So again, Tomorrow Sports owns 54% of the league. PJ Tour owns 18% of the league. 
Franchise owners own 18% of the league, and the player pool is 10% of the league. So the teams, they're going to be given a geographical affiliation, even though the matches are all going to be taking place at one arena in Palm Beach, Florida. The funny part about this is you can tell that Tiger and Rory are picking people that live near Palm Beach. Golf, from a PGA perspective, is most of the guys live in Florida or Arizona. So you can find people that live in Florida, but it's funny because, you know, it's like, hey, come here on Monday nights and and uh, play a little bit of golf. We'll give you some equity in the league and you'll make some money. Not a bad deal. But these teams are going to make money essentially how other sports teams make money today. There's going to be national media rights. We'll get to that. Sponsorships, merchandise, ticket sales, etc. And TGL's executive team sent out a presentation that Sportico actually got a hold of a few months ago. And essentially what it says is that they expect the teams to break even on year one and start making money after that. In year one, they expect the national revenue distribution. So the money that's sent down from the parent company to the individual teams. Think of this as the NFL, right? The NFL does the media deals nationally, then they send money directly to the teams. Same thing's going to be happening here. They expect that distribution to be $2.4 million in year one. They then expect that to grow to $7.6 million over the next decade. So in 2033, they expect it to go from $2.4 million today to $7.6 million by then. And then they also expect that the TGL teams will be earning even more than that, $13.3 million in additional revenue by then too. So again, they're going to have revenue sharing, sponsorships, merchandise, ticket sales, events, team media opportunities, and stuff like that. They project, if you look at it on a compounded annual growth rate over the next 10 years, they think that the national share of revenue will go up by 12.2% a year. And then they also think that the team-specific revenue projections, in year one, they'll make $4.4 million, and it'll go up to $13.3 million by 2033, again, compounding at a 12% growth rate right there. Look, aligning incentives is one thing. You have the teams, the PGA Tour, the players, all of them are going to have equity. They're going to be in this together, and they're going to want the valuation to increase because, of course, they'll make a lot of money. But the setup of the actual event is just as important. First off, it's going to be 15 events plus a couple playoff rounds. So call it 17 events from January to April next year. It's going to be on Monday nights, which I think is very, very, very important because one, people are already accustomed in the United States to watching Monday night football. People know Monday nights, you can watch sports, but football season is going to be over by that point. So the only thing they're going to be competing with on a large scale is the NBA and NHL regular season games. So genius. Monday night, not only is it genius because you're only competing with the NBA and NFL, NHL regular season, but Monday night primetime is important because golf is never on in primetime. If you think about golf, when is it? You know, you're watching golf on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday during the day. Maybe it bleeds in a little bit to the afternoon, whatever it is, or early evening on the weekends, and you see the final round. But it's never primetime. So this is going to be Monday nights. Everything's jammed in two hours right in the same arena. No competition from a sports perspective. And I think they're going to be really successful for a couple of reasons, and I'll explain it to you. One, look, there's a lot going on right now, but between the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, Live Golf, everything going on with the structure, the deal, whatever you think of it, TGL is something that's technically separate, right? The PGA Tour owns a little piece of it, but it's it's a whole different thing. It's team golf, but it's indoors. It's not even on a real course. It's a simulator. It's like a short game area. There's going to be a crowd. Again, it's completely different to what we typically know as golf. But first off, premium live sports rights are in high, 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 high demand. The only thing that's really on the market right now are the NBA rights from a large scale perspective. There's a bunch of smaller things and the TGL is not large. But my point is simple, that one, you have Tiger Woods. Every media partner in the world wants a piece of Tiger Woods. Whether he's hurt, healthy, it doesn't matter. 
He's towards the end of his career. It's something new. He's a co-owner in the business. Not only do you have him, though, but you have a bunch of other names. Again, 12 of the best golfers in the world are going to be in the same arena. And also, what have we seen? This mic'd up style of content has become really popular. If you just look at the match, I think the match has done seven different iterations of that thing so far. You guys know what the match is. It's the first one was Tiger versus Phil one-on-one. They've now done it with football players. Tom Brady's been involved. Mahomes has been involved. Josh Allen's been involved. So it's become a really big thing. It is continuing every single year. They're doing another one seven times now. And really what it is, is it's because it's mic'd up. People want to hear people talk crap to each other. They want to hear them betting on holes. They want to hear the jokes, stuff like that. So I think that was a big piece of this too. And then if you look at the TV partners, there's rumors flying around that basically every TV partner you can possibly imagine has already called them about a deal. And it's pretty simple. One, because it's probably not going to cost you all that much money in the first year or two to give them an effort and give them a try and see how it goes. But also, golf has a bunch of different TV partners already. So TGL probably went to them first. And my guess is that NBC is probably going to end up winning the deal here because not only do they already have the rights, but that's where McCarl is from. So he has good connections there. He knows the people in the business. He's probably going to get a deal done with NBC or at least give them a chance to put up the best offer and see what happens from there. Now, the other thing I think about this is that the structure is really important because, like I said, you're condensed into two hours. But the traditional golf tournament is not a social experience. You're with a friend, you're with family, whatever it is but you're not hearing the players. You don't hear them communicate with each other. You don't see all the shots. You're not tracking things from a data perspective. It's sort of difficult to watch on TV, right? And understand exactly kind of where other people are and how the day's going and stuff like that. Catch every shot, whatever it is. Usually they're just following featured groups or whatever. So this is in an arena. It's going to be loud. You're going to see every single shot that there is. You're going to hear the players mic'd up. And it's the first time in history, if you really think about it, that every single golf shot is going to be right in front of you. That normally does not happen. It's not a thing. So I think there's a bunch of different things that are positives that we'll talk about here. But ultimately, the big thing that, that they're going to have to figure out is the finances of this, right? How much money can they make? I think day one, they're going to make money on TV rights. That's kind of a no-brainer. And and. You, you guys know this by now. That's how all these leagues make money. I was at the PLL game this past weekend. And we were talking through a bunch of different things, sponsors, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, what you need is people need to be watching these games. And that's why the PLL has grown so much over the last few years is because they're setting new records every single year, outdoor lacrosse record, outdoor lacrosse record every single time. And the smartest thing that they did was get on ESPN, right? Because now you have the distribution with ABC, with ESPN and so forth. You're in the app, you're on first take, you're on get up, you're all these things. So I think for the league to succeed, you need the distribution. Good product, no distribution, doesn't work. Good distribution, bad product, doesn't work. You need both of them to really, truly be successful. So I think that's a big piece of it. The second thing that I would say on this is that Tiger looks and feels fully bought in. Obviously, he's got a bunch of different injuries and things that he's dealing with, but if, he, if he's able to come back healthy and, and literally all he's doing is hitting shots off a simulator and then short game areas. It's not walking the golf course. It's not dealing with elevation like he's had to deal in the past, walking courses. He's not carrying you know bags around. He's not doing any of that stuff. So it's a lot easier. He feels bought in. And I think they're probably going to be successful also because they'll be able to sell sponsorships. Ticket revenue is going to be what we'll call like an insignificant part of the business. If 1,500 to 2,000 people are going to each event, it's relatively small, right? There's high school football games that get way more people than that. So we'll, we'll call that like a nothing burger. But TV rights, sponsorship, merchandise, those are probably like the three big things. I also think they'll be able to sign probably a pretty big deal with a wagering company, FanDuel, DraftKings, whoever it ends up being because they've been very clear that betting is a huge part of the golf business today. We all know stories of Phil. We know stories about you know different golfers betting on the golf course and stuff like that. So I think they'll probably be able to go sign a big deal like that. My only thing is like, 
is this something that real golf fans want, right? And I think what we're going to find out is that it's probably built for social media as attention spans continue to shrink. You can tune into one thing two hours a week. You can see the best players in the world, hit shots, joke around with each other, bet on things. There's going to be a good atmosphere. I'm sure there's a bunch of different things that they're cooking up too, but ultimately it feels like it's probably a pretty exciting project and something that people should be you know, excited about, one, but two, it's additive to what I would say the PGA Tour, DP, and Live Golf are doing together, right? This is something that they obviously own equity in now, the PGA Tour, and it's under that umbrella in their commercial business interest. But also, it doesn't hurt the regular setup, right? So it's, again, Monday nights, no other golf tournaments are going on, no football is going on. The only thing they're competing with are NBA and NHL regular season games. And I think it's probably going to be a really good deal for the people that end up buying these teams. So again, we don't know how much the teams are going for yet, but you know, if you're making $2.4 million a year from national me media rights, maybe they go for a multiple of that. The average sports team trades at a six times multiple. High growth leagues would trade at a 10 times multiple. Maybe they're trying to get this as like valued as a tech business and saying something along those lines. I don't know. I'm sure you could push it. You can kind of convince people to do certain things, but I'm excited to see how it goes. Because one, you have, you know, obviously the key players involved. Anytime you get Tiger in the room, Roy in the room, PJ Tour in the room, NBC, et cetera, it's going to be something that there's good support behind. And my guess is that the PJ Tour really pushes it too because they own equity in it. It's the same thing that I've always talked about, aligning incentives to get what you want done. And that's exactly what they're going to do. All right, everyone, quick interruption from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, SoFi. Now, some of you probably already know who SoFi is. They sponsor the Rams and the Chargers Stadium out in LA. It's an amazing stadium. I was able to go there for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. If anyone has the chance to go, please go. But more importantly, I've been using them for several years because it's the only app that I found that lets you bank, borrow, invest, and save all in one place. It is incredibly helpful to have all of that in one place. They call it a finance super app, and I love it. I've been using it for several years now. And they're legit. They comply with all the regulatory standards that you would need from the FDIC so you can be, make sure that your money is safe. So visit SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano to download the SoFi app today. Again, that's SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano to download the SoFi app. All right, everyone. As I mentioned in the intro, the second half of this podcast is an exclusive interview that I recorded with Alexis Oanian last week. Alexis, for those of you that don't know, is the co-founder of Reddit. He is married to Serena Williams, who is also a owner of this team, and Venus Williams is also an owner of the team as well. So we sit down and we talk about everything. We talk about why he's interested in the TGL, where he thinks his league can go, the finances behind the teams, how he expects to make money. We talk about his investments in Angel City FC and a bunch of other stuffs on the future direction of sports assets. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview, and Alexis has become one of the key players in the sports business. So let me know what you think and enjoy. All right, Alexis, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you coming on today. We got exciting news. It's been announced a couple of days ago at this point by now, but you have won the rights to the first expansion team in TGL. Talk me through exactly why you're doing this, why you went and bid on these rights, what you're excited about, and so forth. Absolutely, Joe. <laughs> it has been a really interesting journey. Uh, four years ago, was tweeting in like March of 2019 about how excited I was uh, about the prospects of women's soccer in the NWSL. And then that leads me to, to kick off Angel City FC. Now with this, which by the way, <laughs> for people that don't know, is, is probably one of the most successful early stage startup sports franchises, teams, whatever you want to call it, that we've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's been a good start. You know, I don't know how much revenue they're doing now, but I know it's a lot. 
They're selling out, you know, the stadium every other week, it seems. They were named the sports team of the year by Sports Business Journal. So things right. seem to be going well, to say the least. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I saw some trend lines in early 19 that got me excited about starting a women's football club. And in here, you know, I was not a women's soccer fan back then. I, I was not a golf fan a year ago. And, and things started bubbling up. You know, I started noticing more and more people in my feed just having fun at driving ranges. Uh, I started seeing in my own life, actually, my daughter, Olympia, really take to mini golf and she's really taken a liking to the sport. And so it just kept popping up in more places in my life. And then as soon as I saw the announcement of TGL, I thought, oh, wow, now this is a league I need to be a part of because here is a sport that has tremendous global appeal. Here is a sport that has you know, some amazing iconic athletes and, you know, full swing was just getting underway. My buddy, Chad Mum, incidentally is the EP of that show. And I'd done some work with him 10 years ago and I didn't know the show was going to be a success, but I, I had a hunch obviously given drive to survive, but you started seeing all these cultural moments and it's like, okay, well, more and more people are getting to know more and more of these players as humans. And that's the, the heart of storytelling around sports is the individual athletes. And I'm seeing my daughter swinging those clubs. And I'm like, this is cool. I'm, I'm paying more attention to it. I'm seeing it more and more places. But the prospect of TGL was very simple. It was like, okay, let's take a two-hour, you know, pretty typical sports window, put the best players out there, and create a format that is exhilarating and exciting and modern and tech-enabled and, and give fans something that is really, really potent, like a really high ROI for just a few hours. And once I heard the format, I just just fell out of my chair and I said, all right, I got to be a part of this. And obviously we did. And, and I feel very fortunate to have won the rights to the LA franchise. And, you know, we got a lot of work to do now to actually build this thing, but I uh, feel very grateful. And, you know, I guess you could call this, I'm technically on my baby moon right now. So this is kind of a push present too, for my wife, Serena. And <laughs> I mean, Olympia is also a part owner, just like with Angel City. And then we also brought in uh, my sister-in-law, Venus, so, you know, some great LA roots, little known fact, I don't know how little known it is, but Serena Venus did play quite a bit of golf when they were younger. Their folks wanted them in a bunch of different sports early on and, and golf was one of them. And yes, Serena and I have started taking lessons together. Yes, she is much better than me. No, I'm not dealing with it well, <laughs> but so it goes. Is Olympia the youngest sports team owner in the world? Yes. And <laughs> she has to be, right? And now she's the youngest two team owner <laughs> as well. Uh, in the world. Yeah, so, even better. You know, if it's going so well with the first, why not too? <laughs> Admittedly, she has no idea. Oh yeah. Just, just to be clear, she has no concept yeah, yeah, of this yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. All right. So talk me through, you mentioned a little bit about kind of the format and why mm. that got you excited. Is yeah. this a theme that you've seen across sports, right? So like the way I look at it is if you look at baseball specifically, America's pastime, one of the oldest sports. Mm -hmm. I ain't got time world, for that, Joe. It has seen a huge decline, right? Because of the time, because yeah. of the players are going around, they're fixing their, their batting gloves, their mm -hmm. shin guards, they're taking their damn time. Yep. They've obviously changed some of the rules to try to entice people to get back into the sport. Smart. One of the interesting things that got me excited about TGL when I first saw it was that two-hour time limit, one. Mm -hmm. But two, you're almost taking like the trash talk that I guess has made like the match so successful mm. and you're putting it into something where like the players are competing against each other in like a real format where people are there, the environment is there. You're like courtside at an NBA game, but you're watching golfers, right? Joe nailed it. <laughs> Dude, this is, and, and, and let's be real. I, I approach this. Yes. I grew up as a sports fan. You know, the only sport that mattered in my household growing up was the NFL. That was yeah. the sport I played. That was the sport I thought I was going to play professionally when I grew up. 
And I was pretty oblivious to everything else. It's well known. I was very oblivious to tennis. I've learned, uh, as I said, I was oblivious to women's soccer, oblivious to golf, but I am a sports fan who can approach these things from first principles. And so I'm asking myself, well, why is someone going to care about this? So you already touched on the personal stories, right? We're, we're using social media, we're using storytelling like full swing. There are more ways than ever to make people get to know and care about the individuals doing this amazing work. Then I think about this device, right? I'm holding up my phone. This is where those stories ultimately get consumed. You know this as well as anyone, right? You're, you're, Mm-hmm. Your Twitter feed was an auto subscribe the moment you announced this, because if you were interested in business and sports, it was like, oh, obviously this is, this is for me. Click subscribe. I'm a, I'm a follower now. How we tell these stories of sports here matters so much more to me, frankly, than how they get told when the match is actually on. Because all of traditional sports storytelling was about game day or match day, whatever you want to call it. When I build a sports franchise, I'm thinking first of every day that the team is not on the pitch or the players are not on the green. That is when we tell our story all the time, using every channel imaginable to get people to care so that when people are watching and they are tuning in, they have uh, stakes. And then to your point, what, what TGL realized is, okay, let's create an environment. Let's mic these guys up. Let's create a really potent sort of game dynamic. So it's three on three, right? There's not a lot of dead time of walking around all over a a beautiful golf course for, for hours on end. It is high value content where, you know, you're going to tune in, you're going to get gravy, right? And, and what I I learned once I started asking these questions, you know, things like the Ryder cup are something these guys actually really look forward to because it's the first time they get to play for a team. It's the first time they actually feel tight in a very yeah. different and, in, in, and really enticing way because they don't want to let their teammates down. And for solo athletes, this was, I, I had no concept of this, right? I, I do personally love team sports. They never get the chance to have those stakes and that camaraderie in the same way. And so for them, it's a drug, it's a high, and it's a fun alternative to traditional format. And what I love about the tech side of it, obviously as a, as a techie, as a nerd, as a geek, whatever you want to call it, is there are ways to create an experience when you control that environment from the cameras to potentially betting to even just the, 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 the things that you can communicate to an audience from people's heart rates to you know, the odds of, of making a shot that level up the game experience that you just can't get when you're thinking about, well, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. And to be able to look at all these things from first principles was just exciting as hell because I know it can be more entertaining. And the last thing in my rant (laughs) is, dude, like what appealed so much to me was that you have something that is so popular and yet still so foreign to a lot of people. Everyone understands golf. Like, it's the great thing, right? It's a dead simple sport. Same reason I loved football or soccer was all you, you could teach a five-year-old, kick that ball into the goal, you get a point. Put that little white ball into the hole in fewer swings than the other person and you win, right? It's such an effortlessly simple sport to explain to even a child, yep. but obviously incredibly complicated, incredibly hard. And then you start to bring the emotion of a packed arena into these spaces that like, you know, one of the first, this is, this is embarrassing because I, um, 
I've been on Tiger's foundation board for quite a few years now. And I, I think I'm there because they know I'm like the techie, but I'm the only person who has just never, never played golf before, not really aware of any of it. So I've, I've, I've consumed all of this now over the years as a very willing student. And when I discovered that there was a golf tournament, waste management, that actually embodied all the things that I love about going to an NFL game, I just looked around and I was like, well, why isn't, why isn't this the norm, right? This, this is something I'd, I'd, I'd have signed up for as a teenager yeah. <laughs> because that experience, that fan experience as raucous and reckless as it is, is, is appealing. And, and the TGL folks realized that and said, okay, we can tell these stories in an arena. It's right down the street from where we live in Palm beach. So that's obviously very convenient. And so I'm expecting lots of date nights with my wife and sister-in-law and, and daughter. Well, the day now just be with my wife, but you know, you can see <laughs> That's amazing though. And that actually brings me to one of the questions I was curious about, which is the the team is obviously going to be in LA or LA based, mm -hmm. but all of the matches, all the events are going to take place in Palm Beach. How do you yes. build a community? How do you integrate people from LA? How do you get people from LA to care about a team that's ever actually going to be there? Well, I won't say never. But, that seems like a pretty big challenge. Well, well, look, esports paved the way in a lot of departments here. Yeah, you know, and again, this is a this is a wild thing, right? The reason we associate teams with geographies is because when these teams were started, you didn't have, you know, even the, for some of these teams, right? The cost of getting on a plane even was prohibitively expensive when the, when the team started, right? But yeah. the, there wasn't internet, there wasn't mass media. You needed to have a reason to get people to show up in the in the, in the seats, and it was because of that local camaraderie right it was like oh you love that local team this is uh this is exactly what uh so i'm an investor in the pll the premier lacrosse league yes and this is exactly yes. what they ran into right was that they had just general kind of team names to start out with it's eight teams mm. and now they're moving to a geographic based model for that exact reason right you want to ingrain them within the community mm -hmm. and they're still going to do the tour model where they go to a bunch of different cities and play but yep. each home area will get one weekend right and to your point how do you get people to care about it you have to have them some kind of like allegiance to the team and it feels like that's probably a good relationship for you guys to build a foundation on yes and and then so then it comes to the how and and you bring up a great point yeah. one of the things that we did get really right with angel city was we created a program where 10 percent of these brand dollars were reinvested in the local community so when doordash is a front of kit sponsor they're literally feeding people of need in Los Angeles because a portion, 10% of that commitment is actually getting donated right to local nonprofits. We're learning and adapting from that same model. So, you know, for us, LA Golf Club stands for a, a club, a team that wants to show that golf is actually for everyone. And the way we will live those values is to help create more access for more Angelinos to the sport of golf. And there are nonprofits already doing this work. We have a, a ton of partners lined up that we're excited to work with on this. And to really say, like, look, again, from first principles, it's like you see these teams that have been around for 100 years that try so hard to convince their fan base that they're investing in the community, right? We see the ads, we see the promotions, so that because they, they know that's a thing that is important to show the community that they actually care and are invested in it. All we're doing is starting the team that way and saying from day one, we're making this financial commitment. And it turns out brand partners love that because the reason they want to be, you know, the logo on the kit, the reason they want to be a partner is because they want people to see that they're actually investing into these communities that we're speaking to. So, 
you know, it's, it's worked out nicely for Angel City. I think golf creates just a really, it's very appetizing as, as much as Tiger did and has done to show and will continue to show the sport of golf is really for everyone. For a lot of people, they look at the sport and think it is prohibitively expensive to get into because it is. Uh, they think it may not be for them, but so much of what we're about is really proving that through. And, and obviously having Serena and Vitas involved from jump is a great commitment to that. It's something that they've built their entire careers around. And I, I just, I get excited about the prospect of taking something that people think of as being really not for them and showing them that as a matter of fact, it is Sims are one of those great things actually technologically that's making it much more accessible. Even the normalization of, of driving ranges as a social event, you know, a place to crack a few beers and, and swing some, uh, it's fun. It's special. What I was just thinking too is I came across a stat the other day. I was writing about Top Golf, right? And their growth and, and all that stuff, right? Tremendous business, very similar to kind of the concept that you're talking about of where it's like more so for the casual fan, right? Obviously, the, the diehard golfers still love it, but the people who don't play a lot can be interested in it and take their friends and family. On their last earnings report, they had a stat in there that I thought was fascinating. And it was this past year was the first time in history that the number of off-course golfers passed the number of on-course golfers, right? I believe so it. So more people mm. now are playing at Top Golf or going to driving ranges or doing putt-putt or whatever it is than actually playing on a golf course, which is fascinating because the sport of golf has seen a tremendous jump really since COVID, but even a couple of years before that, it was it was starting. And then everything that's happened over the last few years and even the last week, I think has, has been a catalyst to that growth too. And it feels like kind of like the perfect time for you guys to be launching something like this. My guess is that some people can't really look at it from a different view because it doesn't, it, it doesn't really look like traditional golf, right? Like it's a little bit different. It's inside, sure. whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. but it feels like you make your money on this in a very similar capacity as you would any other sports league, right? There's going to be media rights. There's going to be sponsorships. There's going to be ticket sales. There's going to be sports merch. betting, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're pointing at your merch right now, mm -hmm. which is a good point, right? Because all of those same revenue streams still apply. And I'm curious, like I've obviously never started a team. You're on your second one now, maybe more. What's the checklist? Like, how does this work? How, what, do, what do you do? Is it like, let's get a name, let's yeah. get a website, let's get, you know, let's get some merch. <laughs> like, how does that even work? Look, you're, you're checking all the boxes. I mean, the, you know, the, the way this really started was as, as uninspiring as it is, a, a PowerPoint presentation, which was our pitch to the league around why we deserve to win the LA franchise. And you know, LA Golf Club is, it's kind of placeholder right now. And, and I was very happy we were able to get LAGC.com. It's a very, very good four-letter placeholder. You know, it starts with that. And then obviously you got the capital. And then once we won, we started putting into place, all right, well, who's going to be our team president? I don't think we've technically announced them yet. Well, I can't tell you, but I've worked with them for quite some time. You guys haven't revealed the fee, right? Either, right? Mm -mm, no, not allowed to talk about that. Okay. I'm not trying to trick you. I promise. I nice just wanted try, to make sure. Nice try, Joe. <laughs> uh, but no, I have not yet. Okay. And then really at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's at the heart of it. Right. And then, you know, once we won, it's like, okay, now we're starting to set the table for things like this launch, getting the initial website up. Um, yes, obviously as the guy who created Reddit, we're going to have a really compelling app experience as well, which is fun. Cause that's a blank canvas. That was something traditional leagues have very formal rules and the way it's always been done. 
And the great advantage to having a brand new like, like the TGL is that they're actually saying, Alexis, like we want you in the meetings, like help us figure out our digital strategy, help us figure out how to build product. If you've used the app of your favorite sports team, it's chances are, not even chances are, it is guaranteed to be one of like two companies that's just this white labeled experience, which is, let's just say, not a first rate app. So we get to do things, again, from first principles and, and building alongside a league that's really tech forward and thinking about it. And so having that also opens up more channels for monetization and revenue and, and actually just a better fan experience, which at the end of the day, like that's, that's really what matters most. And, and to your point, right, you start forecasting, all right, well, brand partners, merch, uh, obviously a content deal, the TV rights, that's one the league is taking on. But um, from that standpoint, you know, it, as, as modern a league as it is, there's a lot of pretty straightforward sports business model type stuff. But I get really excited for the, the new frontier, right? Even just being able to think about what the fan app experience is like. That may not get many people excited. That probably gets very few traditional sports owners excited. But for me, remember, this is where our fans will experience our team more often than anywhere else. And one of my favorite anecdotes, I don't know if it's public, but it's fine. I don't think they'd mind. You can say. Wrexham has done an amazing job. Rob and Ryan, so much credit to them. They've been around just as long as Angel City has. They have an amazing storytelling process. They have two humans who run that. They have a photographer and someone who runs their social, right? It is lean and mean like any traditional first-class startup should be, tech startup should be. And they do storytelling in this way because they know it's about real time. It's about connecting with fans on, on a much more intimate level than just top down here. We're just sending you content. And you understand this, right? Anyone who's been a digital creator in this very modern era of social knows this in their bones. Traditionally, most teams just don't though, because they've yeah, been built in a previous era. And so I'm, I'm hyped because like, you know, at the end of the day, the clips of TGL that are going to go viral are going to be these moments that you would normally never have seen happen. Maybe outside of a Ryder Cup where the just exact right thing happens at the right time. But like we're creating an environment that is way more condensed with action, creating an environment where the players are, you know, mic'd up, gabbing with each other. <laughs> if you dig around on YouTube, you could find some clips of me at Redskins games back in the day, like just going off. <laughs> uh, so who knows? I might be chirping a little bit from the owner's box. Those clips of those moments and the crowd going wild and all this in this this energy that's going to feel very different. It is not traditional golf, but obviously it's still, you know, partnered with the very best golfers in the world and I just I believe so strongly in that story of that that 20 second clip that's going to show up in people's feeds when they're scrolling. They're going to want to stop and watch and be like, "What is this? This is not golf as I remember it. This is not the golf that was on in the barbershop when I was a kid that I asked like would have loved if they would have changed the channel for right this is something that feels really vibrant energetic and and modern which I think people want yeah and w one of the things that i thought was 
really interesting was, again, I don't know how much of this is necessarily public, but I remember a, I think a presentation leaked a while ago about kind of like what owners could expect and stuff like that. And one of the things that came out of it, maybe it was public beforehand, was that basically the cap structure of the league, right? Which was going to be that tomorrow sports owned a big chunk of it. The PJ tour mm. owned a chunk of it. And then all the owners of the teams owned, you know, kind of the remaining pieces of it. Right. One of the things that I thought was interesting was one, you're getting buy-in from the PGA tour, which as we know, seems really important because now they're, they're kind of putting not only their marketing power behind it, but they're blessing it to some degree. You guys are going to be on primetime television, yes. which is not traditional for golf, right? If you think about golf, it's during the day on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. So that seems like a big win there. Mm -hmm. And then third, which I thought was really impressive too, was I think there's what, six or seven of the top 10 players in the world committed to play in this thing, which is like, you couldn't ask for better talent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it does feel like a bit of a stack deck and I mean, that's part of what made it <laughs> such a compelling investment. And you look at all that and what's also important and I think this is also public. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. You know, all of those players who are involved have a stake in the league. Yeah. So now talk about innovative, right? I know Messi just got this sweetheart deal, right? But that's, I mean, he's, he's messy, right? Yeah. The, the fact that now every one of these players in the TGL has a stake in it as well, like an ownership stake, that's dope. That's exciting. That doesn't, that doesn't just mean they will care even more and they will on match day. That also means they care a little more when, you know, they're signing autographs afterwards, when they're making a, a video hyping up the match, you know, next week. It, it just, it's, it's the reason why every employee I've ever had, obviously I started, Reddit was the first company I did out of college, but every, every employee I've ever had, even building this VC firm at 776, every employee has had access to ownership, whether it's in stock or options or carry. And I've been very transparent about this my entire career. That's, that's a, the stock thing at startups is pretty typical. At VC, it's actually quite rare. But I want everyone to feel like an owner. It doesn't matter who they are in the org. I need them to feel that way because I know even the little things they do are going to be done a little bit better because they will care. They will have a stake in it. So again, looking at it from first principles, that to me looks obvious. Of course, of course you'd want all the athletes in the TGL to have an ownership stake. However, in traditional sports, as we know, it's, that's not a thing. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens now with that unlock. And I thought it was great foresight on the league's part to do it. Yeah, I love that. A couple more questions. I want to sure. talk a little bit about kind of just your investment process in general, right? When it comes to sports specifically, but also just like kind of how you look at these things and how you break them down. And again, from first principles, like what makes this opportunity valuable also, but, but more kind of generalized, what gets you excited about sports today and in the future? Joe? I'm getting more bullish with every quarter. And if you had asked me before this AI boom of late, I'd have told you, look, I've seen maybe somewhat responsible for the, the future when it comes to social media. User-generated content is going to fight and claw its way to more and more attention versus traditional top-down entertainment with every passing second. Everyone will continue to get better at it. There'll continue to be more of it. Yeah. And every other form of top-down entertainment has fierce competition from UGC, except for sports. Because there are stakes. Because if I don't tune in now, I'm going to miss it. Especially if I'm betting on it. But even if I'm not, like, I, there are still real stakes to watching that live thing. And then when I watch something on social, if I watch the user-generated content, if I watch the kid at home reproducing tiger's shot it doesn't make 
tiger's shot less valuable, it makes it more valuable. Whereas if I see someone who's making me laugh in my feed, like I actually kind of don't know if I need to watch that Netflix special as much. Yeah. Like I, I, it's, it is a, it is an interesting competitor for attention because everything is complimentary in sport in a way that it just isn't for all these other top-down forms of entertainment. So that's just going to continue. That will, will only continue. Now, AI boom. I wouldn't have said this six months ago, but now it is undeniable that we're going to have more and more content created than ever that will be perfectly tailored for what you want. In five years and 10 years, you're going to watch Iron Man again and you, Joe, are going to be the star of it. I don't know. You'll superimpose your face and it'll have exactly, maybe it'll have a different ending every time you watch it. Or, or maybe, you know, the feed of content you're consuming is just so perfectly, perfectly curated for you and your feelings and exactly what you want to do that I actually think as this verges towards borderline dystopian, the pendulum needs to swing over here for us as a species. And in a world where everything can be algorithmically optimized for what you want and need, we will crave the things we cannot control, the few things that remind us of what it means to be human. And again, I come back to sports. Yes, we're talking about adults playing kid games, but that's why it's so special. It's because at some point we could imagine ourselves doing these things, but nowhere near as well as the ones who are doing it professionally. So I'm so, I'm, I've only gotten more bullish on sport in the last six months because I really believe this. And I, I think, again, to avoid that dystopian future, I think we as humans are gonna need even more things for us to cry about, for us to scream about, for us to get excited about that feel like human, that feel real. And so whether it's investing in and owning franchises, whether it is investing in sort of sports tech infrastructure, this stuff gets me excited. And I've been, if you follow me on Twitter in the last four years, you've seen me talking about it. And it, it started with women's sports because that was so obviously undervalued, but it just, it keeps snowballing and I'm incredibly bullish. Obviously we know who my wife is. It, it is purely coincidental, but it doesn't hurt obviously because I just, I, I think there is something about what it taps into you can even look to the increasing balkanization in our world and the increasing tribalism in our world. Sports gives us a commercially viable as well as a socially acceptable tribalism. I can put on this shirt and, well, I mean, not no one knows LA Golf Club yet because we're recording before the announcement, but hopefully in 10 years, I'm walking down the street in New York with this shirt and someone is like, I hate you guys <laughs> or good game last week, right? Because it evokes in emotion because we've created enough of a rivalry <laughs> that people care. And, and again, you think about it like that, that there's, there are so few things that are perfectly acceptable. It's irrational. I'll be the first to admit it's a totally irrational thing that it taps into, but as a species, as humans, we, we need it. And frankly, I would rather us invest our energy into silly tribalism <laughs> like sports as opposed to the stuff that really, really tears apart society. There's a part of me too that optimistically hopes that as this energy of sport, as sport becomes more accessible, as, as more and more sports continue to thrive and more and more leagues continue to thrive and more and more people find sports that speak to them and teams and communities that speak to them, it can actually be a healthy outlet for that tribalism that's going to have, that energy is going to have to go somewhere and I'd much rather it go into a sports team than you know, the other things that people use to divide one another. I, I love that. And uh, 
I was just nodding my head the entire time because I agreed with basically everything you <laughs> I mean, were I saying. Hope. It's like, it's spot on. No, it's spot on, right? The, the part about tribalism being acceptable, right? Not only commercially viable, but mm-hmm. also acceptable is so true. And I think the other big thing that you guys have going is like the team piece is part of it, but also the individual is a huge part of it. Yes. And that's really what young people care about, right? We've seen it in all the data and stuff mm-hmm. like that is you're an Odell Beckham Jr. fan. You're not a Cleveland Brown fan or a New York Giants fan. You like Tiger Woods. You like Rory, right? And while you have a little bit of a team aspect i think that the individual in golf shines through is really important too oh yeah and look and and practically speaking these guys are they're not wearing any masks yeah they're on camera a ton and and thanks to full swing right we've just started to break through culturally with these guys being more comfortable sharing themselves talking about that yeah it's funny because this is where i go off like the the women of college sports are so much better at this and the nil deals are starting to shed light on this yeah but women are already disproportionately better at creating social content than men right they're they're more engaged they create more content they're in the memes they're doing the dances they're they're way better content producers women athletes knew growing up their entire lives if they were going to be a pro athlete no one was going to give them a handout they had to be their own creative director they had to be their own marketer they had to be their own storyteller and they've just walked all over the dudes, if you look at college sports, the, the women so outperform from follower counts, everything else. So I have to give a shout out to the women athletes. That's, that's going to be a secret weapon for women's sports over the next decade. And then what's funny is now we have these amazing men on the tour who are going to be part of TGL who actually, we're going to be taking lessons from the playbook of college women athletes to try to help them tell their story better. I don't know if I can convince them to, you know, do all the TikTok dances necessarily, <laughs> but try to help them tell their story better. Because to your point, yes, people follow the individuals. And this is a weirdly, I, I my dad was really uncomfortable when I told him this because I think generationally, our parents were so locked into the idea of teams and, and players, you know, this is obviously, so yeah, I could speak to the NFL pretty well. You know, yes, the era of free agency changed a ton and made that more common that, you know, high profile players are moving and, and, and shaking. Obviously the rise of fantasy football, makes way more important the the stakes of caring about individual players but then social media you know it makes people really care about the individuals no one cares about a logo in the same way that they care about a human and so now we're in an era this is the part that my dad just could not still does not totally process where a kid you know gen z who has only known the era of social media very rarely has the same kind of allegiance to a team that I know I had growing up to Washington. And, and so I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Okay. Now that's, I might be shooting myself in the foot here, but I think as long as you're an owner, who's aware of this, you know, the onus is now on you and your team every day to earn the attention of your fans. And then part of your job is also to help build the following of your players because you can see very clearly how that benefits your club. And maybe, yeah, maybe that is in the short term in that, you know, when Messi left PSG, people were talking about the follower drop. Yeah. And when he joined Miami, you saw the follower bump. Like, that's real. That's, that is not going away. Now, of course, Messi is the sort of supreme example of this, but that's not going away. And so yeah. if you're an owner in 2023, either you accept this new world or you're going to have a bad time. And, and I do think the end result is going to mean a better fan experience and certainly better for the players who are doing all the hard work anyway. So 
I'm all for it. I think it's a good thing. I love it. Last question. Sure. What is, do you have your celebration planned out if you win the championship year one? <laughs> I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to defer that one. Uh, gosh, I'm going to tell you something, Joe. So we have, we do have a fun little bonus for our president when they win the first, first match or excuse me, first championship. Fun little tidbit when, to give you an idea of how we think, at least as a family, when Serena won the 23rd Grand Slam, the one in Australia when she was pregnant with Olympia, literally that night, it was, there was a small little gathering for the sort of the extended team, right? Hitting partners, family coach, all that stuff. And then, I mean, she was also pregnant, but like I had a sip and then we went upstairs and I mean, we just hung out. We just talked. I feel like we even read, I think we even read about the Sermon on the Mount. It was, it was a very not, it was very not champagne and goggles type of night. Yeah. But you know what? I think, I think we're going to have a good time. Yeah. The first time the LA Golf Club wins, wins a title. So I'll get back to you on the plans. I love that. But, That's awesome. You got to, everyone does <laughs> their own I, thing, you know? That's, but that, that there's a, there's a fun fact for you. It, it's just wild. I think what I really, really hope for though, is the part that connected with me was, and this was the, okay. The, the other, the other thing that got me really fired up about golf, there's an amazing quote. I tweeted, I, there's a clip rather of Tiger Woods talking about when he was a teenager, not being allowed in the clubhouse of a, of a country club. And in this quote, it's in a speech. You got to run the, you got to run the clip after this because I'm going to butcher it. But you know, he, they told him he's not in, he's not allowed inside because he's black. And he's like, you can't come inside. So he said he only had two questions. It was, what was the course record and, and where do I tee off? And I mean, and he says it, I, I, I'm butchering it. You got to run the clip. Like he says it in the way that only Tiger could. And it's just like, fuck yes. And, and it's such a, that, that clip gasses me up all the time. And, yeah. and I really, I, I think it is, it's such a privilege to be able to say, okay, here is this sport that still, I think so many people feel like isn't for them. And if we can have a chance to actually show a whole nother generation, no, it is for you. This can be a thing that if you love it, great. You can be great at it. We're going to find ways to create access, certainly for Angelinos and hopefully more broadly. I feel like, look, I'm in legacy building mode at this point. I, I, I want to do stuff that my little girl and we'll see what the other kid, I want them to be super proud of what Papa did and, and what he left behind. And so I do, I think of that tiger quote often, and I do think TGL can be a path to really show like, yo, this isn't the sport you thought it was. And, and, and it comes at a great time when technology makes it more accessible and now we just got to do the work, but that's awesome. I'm excited. I was going to say that Olympia is one for one. So her track record's pretty good at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She's going to be, she's a better investor than yeah, me. She, she's off uh, to a good start. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> so, I know. That, that's amazing. <laughs> well, Alexis, thank you so much for doing this. I'm rooting for you guys. It's going to be really fun to watch. Nice show. League this coming, it's January, right? Next start of next year. Yeah. I think seasonal technically start Feb. Okay. But. You know, I, I, I'm learning new things every morning this week. <laughs> you guys so. are in startup mode, you know, it's like still building the arena. Yeah. It's still getting yes, uh, media partners, so. I'm sure. And all that stuff. So speaking of which, are you, are you talking to Mike? Who's the CEO of TGL? No, you should, if you're not, I'm not, you gotta talk. Have you not talked to him? You've not talked to him yet? No, nah, I haven't. 
let me introduce. I don't know if he's doing. I think he's doing press. I let me let me pitch him on it. Yeah, I mean, even if I even if he just wants to chat, I'd love to learn more and stuff. You know, it's like okay. I love what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Thanks, man. All right, everyone, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the breakdown of TGL, but also the interview with Alexis Ohanian. I really enjoyed putting this stuff together for you guys. So thank you so much. As always, please just continue to share this podcast with your friends. If you have not given a review on Apple or Spotify, please go do that too. I appreciate it more than you guys know. And I hope you guys enjoy your day. We'll be talking again on Wednesday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.